got saved, it's not been the same. I, I got Bible from what I'm telling you. <laughs> I got Bible from what I'm telling you. you. What your beliefs are, well, I believe this or I believe that. If it don't line up with what that says, it don't matter. I'm telling you that since the day I got saved, it's not been the same. It's been a different day. It's been a different not telling you I've lived in his light all the time. Made a bunch of failures and flops. And maybe even been times I've been a phony. But he made a difference in me that day. I say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. First Timothy chapter number four. First Timothy chapter number four. I want to begin to read with verse number 1. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. I'm going to read just very, just going to read two verses there. The first two verses of the fourth chapter of the book of 1 Timothy. When you find your place, if you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God? 1 Timothy chapter number 4. And beginning to read with verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared, with a hot iron. Father in heaven, we thank you, dear God, for the privilege this morning that we would be able to stand and preach the word of God. Lord, you know our heart today. You know the things that be upon our heart. You know the desires that we have this morning, God, as we stand. Yet, Lord, you know our failures and our faults. You know, dear God, every fallacy that there is in our life. And I beg you, God, to forgive me for everything, Lord, that I have done that's... Uh, or I've said, or I've not done, or not said, God, that might be a witness against me this day. God, I'm not here because I'm good enough, but I'm here because of your grace. Lord, I'm not before you this morning standing here because I'm deserving, but I'm standing here as, a, as one that has obtained mercy in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, for the privilege that you've counted me faithful, even putting me in this ministry. Lord God, today as I stand to preach, I ask you, God, for unction from on high. I ask you, God, that you would move in me, God, like you have at other times past, but, God, in a greater capacity than ever before. I pray, dear God, that you would speak through me, dear God, the words that heaven would be pleased with. Give me the power to preach the word of God, Lord, to get myself out of the way and let people see so much more than me. Help them, God, to see the Lord Jesus and what he, he is and what he has to offer today. God, I beg you that you would help the words to come into reality, that you'd help a picture to be painted in the minds and hearts of those today. God, by the things that would be spoken by the Spirit of God most of all. Lord God, have the Holy Spirit take over here today. God, would you help us as we would expound upon the Scripture. God, would you bless and would you help us Lord God, would you make a difference here today in our church? 
Most of all, God, would you help those today that's lost and without Christ. Help them, dear God, that today they couldn't leave out the doors of this building without they first trust Jesus, God, and have eternal life. God, I beg you and I ask you, dear God, that you'd be the big, big God that we know you are. And Lord, you'd condemn and you'd convict and you'd bring to naught the pride of the individuals that are here today that are lost. They're unwilling to accept the fact that they need a Savior. God, would you bring that pride to naught today and help them to leave here, God, completely whole, knowing Christ as their Lord. Father, bless, I pray. I need you. And God, if you don't bless, we'll have a mess here today. God, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Let me read again. The Bible said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. As we look into the Word of God this morning, as we think about what Paul is telling young Timothy, he is telling and warning Timothy of apostasy that is coming, a day that Paul is speaking that's in the future. But I'm here to tell you today that is no longer in the future. It's no longer a time that is ahead, but it is now. We are living in the times of the of the being participants of, of some form of apostasy. When you think about this great apostasy that takes place, Paul said there in the beginning of verse 1 that there's in, in the latter times uh, that some shall depart from the faith. I believe that we've seen that. And I believe we're viewing that in the days that we live. I believe that we're witnessing those that are departing from the faith. I can say that we've witnessed here, even amongst ourselves, we've witnessed a, a, a somewhat of an exodus of folks that, that have, have left the old-time way and left old-time preaching for a new and what they would say a better way. Our tendency is, you think about this, the later it gets, the more unaware we become. Is that way it is with you? You let it get 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and I get stretched out in my recliner, sometimes I can become totally unaware of what's around me. Any happenings that's taking place, I can become totally unaware. The later it gets, the more I'm unaware of my surroundings. In the book of Romans chapter number 13, Romans chapter number 13, and verse number 11, the Apostle Paul speaks here, and he says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Listen to what he said. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but 
Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Paul is warning the Romans of the same day and he's telling the Roman people, those that are at Rome, those Christians that, that when this day appears, when this day comes, there's something that we as Christian folk need to do rather than getting used to the darkness, we need to be aware. We need to be awake. We need to see that the night is far spent. The day is at hand. I want to preach to you, if I can, on the subject this morning, if I can, that it, it's getting late. It's getting late. I, I can recall that in, in days gone by in my childhood that, that sometimes it would be up late at night and finally daddy would say, okay, okay, youngins, it's, uh, it's getting late. It's time to, to go to bed. It's time to get up and let's go to bed. Now, it's, it's getting late. In other words, that, that, that it's not far, it's not long to the dawning of a new day. It's getting late. As, as day begins to break, we're encouraged uh, by, by some internal instinct. I don't know about you, but, it's, but the later it gets, and then the later, or finally sometime late becomes early. Y'all know when that takes place? I, I really don't know when it takes place, but sometime in the process, late becomes early. And when, 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 when that early begins to come, sometime in the middle of that, the internal instincts of, of the body, the human body begins to, to, to take over and, and, and if you're somewhat normal, now I know that teenagers, they're abnormal, okay? Teenagers can sleep, buddy, till the cows come home. I don't know what it is about the teen years, but, and, uh, but, but that can happen. It, and, uh, but, the, but, the, but there's something, I've got an internal clock about me, right? I, I don't know how many of y'all got, there comes a certain time in the morning, I wake up, I just can't, if I lay there any longer, my body cries out, get up! Get up, you're hurting and aching, and it bothers me to lay there. And I've often been told, and songwriters have written a song that says the darkest hour is just before dawn. Before dawn, it can somewhat when the stars begin to disappear, and yet the sun is not risen yet. There's darkness. At that time, Paul encourages, to, encourages us to awake out of sleep. The later it gets, we see the world's view of God and God's things begin to get more dim in our eyes. The world looks at God and says, oh, you know, God, he is, he's, he's, he, well, he's, he's only needful at death and, and then the idea of, of what the world's view of God is is so, such a fictitious view and such a disheartening view. The world wants to make sure that, that they expose their view about God. It's getting late. And if I can believe anything today, I don't believe we have too many more times that we'll come together and sit inside the church house if I, can, if I can know anything today, I don't believe we'll, there, there'll be too many opportunities that we'll, that we'll have the, the privilege uh, 
of coming together and shedding and hearing the preaching of the Word of God and, and seeing God move in the house of God. Why is that, preacher? Because it's getting late and we're about to, to embark on a new day. We're about to embark on a day that we've never seen before. We're about to embark on a day uh, that we've only heard about through uh, the preaching of the Word of God at different times. Uh, there's coming a new day for those of us that are saved. But the world wants to make sure that you don't think about that a whole lot. Matter of fact, the world wants to, to, to blur the lines of it all. And Number one, they, they want to, to expose their view about the obligation of heaven. What do you mean, preacher, the obligation of heaven? Well, it's, it's getting dark or it's getting late now and we see that the, uh, that, that the world believes that everybody that dies goes to heaven. Is that not right? You let the biggest sodomite in, in, in L.A., the one that's molested children and everything else, let him die and let his friends will, get, will, will put him right into heaven. I'm telling you that, that, that it's not the fact that where your friends say you're going it gets you there. But it's whether you made preparation to go and that is whether or not you've been saved by the good grace of God. They have a, a, Their idea is a works-based salvation. Everyone's going to heaven. Everyone is good. Every, everything's okay. Uh, surely a good God in heaven's not going to let nobody or not going to send anyone to hell. Uh, you know, a man seems to think uh, uh, that, that he can do whatever he wants, then obligate God to take him to heaven. It's, it's really a sad day that we live. I'm going somewhere. I want y'all to stay with me this morning. We see the obligation that the world has of heaven, that they have a works-based salvation, and they have a world that's biased to sin. What do you mean by that? Well, there's no absolutes any longer. When I, when I was growing up as a boy, there was an absolute. It was right or it was wrong. That's back when boys were boys and when girls were girls. That's back when boys didn't say, well, I want to know if I want to become a girl, or a girl didn't say, I don't know if I want to become a boy. But it's when there were absolutes. And, and listen, uh, in, the, in, the, in the mind of God, we still live in an absolute period. I want you to know that. But in the world's views, the lines are blurred. We find that genders now have an identity. Uh, You've got to have a pronoun, she, him, her, uh, it, it's, they, them, there, and theirs, and all these things. Uh, and you, yet, yet can you imagine, have y'all seen the Hershey bar? Awfulest thing you ever seen in your life anymore. It's gone to this her, she, it's a she or he. I mean, it's awful, boy. It's, it's awful what they have what they have made just common things, trying to get political, trying to, it's an awful thing. Uh, that, that, that awful time, I'm telling y'all, it's getting late, okay? It's getting late. We're living in late hours. We're living in late times. There's no absolutes. How you identify, think about what, you, what marriage has become in the last several years. I remember when the, yeah, I don't know how long it's been now, it's probably been five years ago, remember when the, when the same-sex marriage thing took over. Boy, it stirred up and it got a big uproar everywhere around people. But you know what it's done, God? You don't hear nothing about it anymore, do you? 
It's not that big of a deal. I'm telling y'all, it's getting late. You know, I, I wondered, and somebody said uh, uh, that what, what was going I remember several years ago, somebody said, what's next? They're going to be allowing you to marry your dogs? or, you, or, or Yes, sir. I, and you know what's now available? Uh, you can now marry an animal if you want to. No absolutes. Evil abounds everywhere. I'm just telling you, you think about gender mutilation that's taking place today. I'm talking about these things. It's getting late. I'm, and friend, the Bible tells us, Paul told us of this. He said that they were going to be seducing spirits. That's what he said, seducing spirits. Uh, that means they were imposters or, or misleaders, uh, bringing everything into question, everything that's brought up, uh, bringing a question, arising a question about it, bringing everything into question. It means that, that those, uh, those uh, spirits to the world become attractive. They become appealing. But in all, what they are is they're deceiving. These attributes produce Churches without convictions. They make fun of old-time religion. They question the old past. And the world wants to obligate everybody to heaven. And number two, the world has an optimism about hell. The Bible said, though speaking there, that in verse number one, the last statement, the, and doctrines of devils. Prominent evangelical author by the name of Pastor Rob Bell, Jr. Write his name down and go check it out for yourself. Has written down and become one on, on the authority of speaking that believes that hell is a lie from the church. That hell is a fallacy that's been made up by someone along the way. That hell is not real. I reckon he does not never read his Bible and find out what the Word of God says. Because if I know anything about my Bible, I find that Jesus talks about hell about twice as much as he talks about heaven. I find that it's still, you say, well, preacher, the hell is so awful. Why do you want to preach and talk about it? Because I don't want you to go there. And there's people that's out, that are dying and going to hell by the multitudes. But the world don't want you to see and to be concerned about hell. Pope Francis made the statement that hell is not a definite truth. Now, I ain't got no confidence in Pope Francis to start with, okay? What he says don't mean a whole lot to me. And I'm just telling you that this is the leaders of the free world, of the world as we know it. This is what they say. 41%. You say, well, that's, uh, that's uh, those, uh, those other bunch. Preacher, what about, what about among Baptists? Well, I can tell you what, Pew, what PewForum.org Pew said about the matter and about the subject. Uh, PewForum.org said that 41% of baby boomers who are Southern Baptists do not believe in hell. 41% of, of baby boomers who are Southern Baptists do not believe in hell. 64% of them, those are men and 36% of them are women. Here's another thing, 80% of them are white people. <laughs> While evangelicals, and that's what I'd place them in that category, are, are deciding that there's no hell, uh, there's a different story that's taking place in hell right now. 
While evangelicals are saying there's no such thing as hell, I'm here to tell you uh, that in hell they're convinced uh, that there is a hell. In hell they're convinced uh, that it is real. In hell they're convinced uh, that there's no relief in sight. In hell they're convinced that there's no hope for them. You see, we, we live, uh, when, when you think about the occupants of hell, uh, you think about what they're taking place and what's going on with those people that are in hell right now. Uh, they are alone. I, I find when I read the account, Brother Daniel, of the rich man, I don't find that he mentions his buddy that's next to him. I don't find he mentions uh, his girlfriend that might be along the way. But I find uh, that he, all he knows about is his himself uh, while he's in hell. In other words, what are you saying? I'm saying he thinks she's alone there as far as that goes ain't no ain't no big party and reunion I know there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and I know there's all of that that they're, they're gnashing upon one another with teeth there but they're, they're as far as uh, the idea and the ideology that you hear the world talk about they're gonna be in hell and go have a big party and go take over no well I find he only knew of himself and the agony of not only was he alone, but he was in agony. And the agony of hell was so, so great and so desperate that he would cry out to God and he would cry out to Father Abraham and he would beg of mercy and he would cry out unto God. And listen, not only <coughs> are the occupants of hell are they alone and in agony? But they're afraid. You say, what are they afraid of? Because they don't know how awful or how long it could be. You see, the rich are there in hell. The poor are there in hell. There's preachers tonight in, or today in hell. There's deacons in hell. There's Sunday school teachers in hell. There's good Baptist church members in hell. There's people that are in hell that were sitting in church every Sunday and every Wednesday. I'm telling you, there's people in hell that, that are there because they rejected Jesus and yet they took the world's view. The world's view. There's the occupants of hell. All along, there's the opposition of hell. But then you know what the opposition of hell is doing? They're not praying any longer. They're not praying any longer. Used to, I come up in days, and I've said this, and I preached it till my, I'm blue in the face here recently. I, I, I preached it so much. Used to, folks in the pews were broken hearted over their loved ones that were dying and going to hell. Used to, uh, people would weep and cry and beg God for mercy over their loved ones and over their friends. And if they knew of a lost person, uh, they'd fast and they'd pray and they'd beg God for mercy over their lost individuals. But today, Day, the opposition of hell really has no burden any longer. There's really no praying taking place. Really, there's no more mourning over the lost any longer. Friend, I wonder how does hell have an opposition here today? There's not very much preaching taking place. You see, first of all, the obligation of heaven. Number two, the optimism of hell. Number three, he said, speaking lies and hypocrisies. There's the onslaught of heresies. As a scar or as a burn has no sensation to it. You ever have burnt, cut yourself or burnt yourself and 
when that skin begins to die, the nerve, it begins, you know, it's, it heals the scar. It, sometimes it just gets dead. There's no sensation to it. But so have the consciences of those who've burned and lying to their self that they really have no need of a Savior. If there's anything that terrifies me, it's the fact that there's people that will deny the Lord the opportunity to be their Lord and their Savior. How long do you think you have? How many opportunities do you think you have? How many opportunities do you think there's going to be for you to get born again? As that scar heals, as that cut heals, as that wound heals, there becomes that scar there, and that scar begins to have a deadening effect. There's no feeling to it. And, and, and listen, that's the way sometimes that, that these false beliefs that you and I would have or that, or that somebody may have concerning their soul. The Bible describes it as there would be some that would have their conscience, having their conscience sealed with a hot iron. In other words, there's no final authority in their life. Judges chapter 17 and verse number 6, the Bible said, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. In other words, what he's saying, that, that when we begin to judge ourselves, when we begin to think we can do what we think and act on what we think and do what we want to do, Brother Joe, we're walking on dangerous ground. When we begin to be our own God and our own judging, that's where we're at to Today, friend, man has taken the place of God. We've taken the place of God in the world. And friend, what's happened in the churches is man has taken the place of God in the churches. Preachers are lifted up higher than what they ought to be lifted up. First families are lifted up higher than what they ought to be lifted up. I'm telling you, there's a God on the throne in heaven today. And he's the one that is to be honored. He's the one that is to be revered. And what we need to see today is the final authority in our life, isn't you? Uh, I'm not your final authority. I believe what the Bible says about pastor, about pastors and about the authority there. But I'm not the final authority, friend. I want you to know God gave us a book. And here lies the final authority right here. And God is the, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I want you to know the final authority when all said and done when this thing's on fire when everything else has gone away God's word will stand God's word will still be Proverbs 16 2 all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes but the Lord weigheth the spirit Proverbs 21 2 every way of a man is right in his own eyes but the Lord pondereth the hearts their opinion is better than God's word in a lot of, a lot of times. You're set here today and you say, my opinion is I'll get saved at a later date. What, what difference does your opinion make? God's word is the final authority. You better trust him while there's time to trust him. You better get born again while there's time to get born again. You see, their desires are, 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 are weighs more than what God's word weighs on them. I, I tell you what, if I could tell you anything, if I could push into the head and into the heart of anybody, it would be trust Jesus today. Trust Jesus today. Get saved today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till next year. Run. Run. 
Run, run to the altar. Beg God's mercy. Trust Jesus and have eternal life. If I could press anything upon the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls today, it is that God is the final authority and God's word is the final authority. What you think or what I think matters not if it does not line up with what God says in his book. No final authority. No fatal no fatal action. No judgment for sin don't seem like it. No judgment for sin. But one day, the believer of truth will get an experience. We'll get there in just a minute. But what about those that don't believe the truth? What about those that don't believe the truth? What about you that sat in church your whole life? You've heard God's word preached. God spoke to your heart and he's drew you. You've heard the Holy Ghost of God speak and call your name. You've heard that sweet, that sweet voice of God as he's beckoned you to come. And you've turned your heart away from him. What about you? What about the fatal action there? What about it? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 1. We're going to read a few verses now. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the, listen to this, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, nor be, or be troubled, neither by spirit or by word, nor by letter, letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come what? A falling away first. And that man of sin shall be revealed, the son of perdition. Listen to this. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all, that is called God, or that is worship. So that he is God, said it in the, in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed. There he is. Listen now. He's talking about when it comes to sin, when it all happens. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Y'all hear what he said? The truth has been preached to them. The truth has been given to them. Been, they've, they've known about Jesus. The Spirit of God has drew them and they've come to the end. The, the man of sins here, the coming of Jesus is taking place. Listen to this verse number 11 there. You might think, look up here at me first. You might think, well, I've sat in church a long time. That man of sin ain't going to get me. 
He ain't going to rule. He ain't going to fool me. I'm not going to be deceived by him. Look at your Bible. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Did you see it? You see, you don't, you're, not, you're not the final authority there. Well, I've been, I've been raised in church. I, I, I know the truth. I, I'm not saved, but I'm not going to take, take that mark. I'm not going to go that way. But what if God sends you strong delusion that you'll believe a lie? Are you bigger than God? Are you greater than Him? I think not. I'm telling you it's getting late. I'm telling you it's getting late. And if I could encourage anybody to do anything today, I'd encourage you to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd encourage you to be born again. I'd encourage you to get saved. I'd encourage you to call out to God. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd encourage you to do that, especially for those of you that, that are lost. There's a, there's a, that you say, well, there's a, there's a fatal action there for me. Yeah, but there's not if you say. You see, the outcome of heaven is this. I may be in the minority here, but buddy, I'm going to be in heaven. I might, be, I might be one of the few and might be one of what they call the frozen chosen. I might be one of those. But I'm telling you, when that, when that day comes, I'm going to be with him. Hallelujah. I'm going to be all right. I know in whom I believed. And I know that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him. I may suffer persecution miserably, but I'll be in heaven. Amen. I may be laughed at to scorn. I'll be in heaven. He said in verse 8, having the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. Listen, friend, I'm done. I want to tell you it's getting late. It's getting dark, getting late. The darkest hour is just before dawn. The stars go back to their place. The sun's not yet peaked over the horizon. It's very dark. I'm here to tell you there's, the sun's coming. The sun's coming. Just, just over the horizon, the sun lies, and he's coming. And it might be dark right now, Brother Mike, but, but he's coming. And it's going to be good for we that have been saved. But for those of you that are not saved, it's a different story. It's a different story. What's going to happen when you wake up in the morning? You're all alone. Preacher, you're trying to scare. Friend, if there's anything you ought to be scared of, you ought to be scared of dying and going to hell. I remember when I was lost, if there's anything, I was, I was scared of death, buddy. 
I was fearful of death. I didn't want to think about death. I didn't want to see death. I didn't want to talk about death. I didn't want nothing to do with death. I was scared of death. But then Jesus came into my life. If there's anything that if I were you, I'd do today, I'd fall. I'd trust Jesus. I'd trust what he's done. I'd believe what he's done. I'd let him be my Lord and my Savior if there's anything that I could encourage you to do today. And I'd also encourage you not to walk out these doors without trusting Him. Because as you do, you could walk right into eternity. Right into eternity. Preacher, that's scary, preacher. day I got saved before that night before I got saved I laid in bed that night Brother Brad I believe this I believe I went to sleep with my eyes open I would be scared to close my eyes anymore I didn't know what death I just lost my little infant sister two months earlier I realized that if a baby could die so could I Now, I, for, for two months, Brother Bradley, I think I went to sleep with my eyes open at night. I didn't want to close them. I didn't want death to catch me. I didn't want death to come my way. But after 2 o'clock on that Tuesday evening, on May 16, 1978, that night I went home. I laid my head in my bed in the best night of sleep I ever got in my life. As I talked to the God of heaven before I went to sleep and had blessed assurance that Jesus was mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. You can have peace today. You can have peace today. I think this is five weeks straight that God's had me preach a salvation message on Sunday morning. I don't know how much more about Jesus or how much more about salvation I could preach. But it's not my... It's not left in my court. The ball's in your court. God's done everything he can do for you. He gave his son to die for you. He sent the Holy Spirit to draw you. Now, it's left to you. Will you believe the report? I don't know who you are this morning. I don't know why God had me to preach this message. But there's a cause. You're here this morning. If the Holy Spirit of God is dwelling in your, if He's pleading with your heart, if He's calling unto your heart, will you please, please, please don't turn Him away? Please don't reject Him. Will you please throw your pride down? Will you trust Him? You say, Preacher, I need somebody to help me. I'll be glad to do all I can, but I can't save you. Would you come today? Father in heaven, thank you for letting me preach one more time. God, you know my heart today, and I'm so, I'm so undeserving. I'm so unfit even, Lord, for this place. God, the lots fell me to me. And oh, God in heaven today, would you do, God, what I can't do now? I'm delivered to the best of I say to my ability. I feel that it was your will for me to preach.
God, would you get and arrest the heart of that sinner that's lost? God, bring them to the end of their self and help them to trust Jesus. Please, God, don't let them leave here without trusting and being born again. God, please, do that work in them this morning that only you can do. God, I know you're able. God, you do it. While they're tender, while they're young, draw them. While they're older, and yet, Lord, maybe some receiving the call for the final time. Please, oh God, please give them that measure of faith that they could believe. I bless your name forever. For it's in Jesus' name I pray.